Well, shit, man. Tell me about this podcast. You've been running it for a few years now, and you guys basically you get together, you break down games. Give me, give me some more skinny on what you guys have been doing. Yeah, we uh, when I first started it, we did it uh, two days a week. Uh, one like you know Sunday, Monday night, just to uh, recap the game, and then we would do one maybe Thursday night to uh, set up the next game. Um, I've done a couple of different iterations of a podcast with a few different people. Uh, I will be nice and just say that it just didn't go through the first time um, with the guy that hadn't started it with me, or he started it, he brought me along with it, um, just didn't work out, and then uh, had the opportunity through some people from old radio shows uh, to start up a new one, and uh, that's when me and uh, the, one of the guys that I did the previous one with, Lee Winkler, he did this one. He started up this one with me. Shout out, Lee. Yep, absolutely. Thank you very much for helping all that stuff out. And, uh, you know, then just life takes over, and, you know, we, we all got different things, and he he's not able to do it anymore, and that's perfectly fine. Um, I wanted to start, start it up again last year, even without him, but obviously with everything that was going on around the world and... And, and also just the hell we didn't know if there was going to be a season yeah so it was kind of like you know what we're going to take the if nebraska and especially initially nebraska like well, nebraska wasn't the big 10 was we're going to take this year off so it's like okay we're not going to do it and then all of a sudden they're going to do it it's just like oh you know by now it's like really hard to try to get it going and like start it back up again with everything's going on like we're going to take the year off yeah and just kind of see what happens um, Lee's still busy with his stuff, and that's fine. And that's when I approached you to uh, want to get this going again. So, and I was like, "Cool!" I always wanted to do a drunk sports sports guy. <laughs> well, we're not there yet, but we're working. No, on. we're we're good, man. <laughs> not by any means, but I said we're going to get racist I and sit around and start slurring sports. <laughs> but I like to, I like to be a little looser. Like to have a little bit more fun. I think it'll be I think it'll be a good time for us to just get together and shoot the shit. Eventually, when we're in season, breaking down the game, you know, the week before, obviously we'll take that. You take that very seriously. I will watch the game and ask you questions. But as I've been doing for the last five years that I've known you, hitting up with bars and asking you your opinion, why not just record it and throw it on? Uh, throw yeah, it on the internet. for the last five years, you've been saying, "Why am I not recording this conversation?" Because <laughs> we go for like an hour already, anyway. Yeah. Or longer, depending yeah. on uh, where we've been and how, <laughs> how late the evening can go. Yeah. Uh, shit, just the last two weeks, I think, Tabitha's been making fun of me for standing outside and it's 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning before you even leave. And exactly. We're chit-chatting about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and then we forget most of it. Yeah, we're planning to make a plan while wasted and not making any sense. <laughs> so we won't get that drunk that we don't remember what we're saying. No. But if we do... It's recorded. That's fine. Now, now that we know what we're doing, well, we might know what we're doing. We'll Sorry. find out in a bit. We'll try. We're half <laughs> Jump into what you do. What's your process? How do you break down these games? I know that you spent, it was like three weeks. You did, I didn't hardly see you because you were spending locked up looking at the last three years of Frost tenure here. You're breaking down all these numbers. I'm looking at a spreadsheet with three different pages on it and a ton of stuff. What's your process? Well, the last couple of weeks, I was just doing 2018 because 
2019-2020, I've been doing it as the games have been going on, not during the game, but, you know, that week following the game, where I will chart every play. I say, I write down whether it went to the left, to the right, to the middle, whether it's a pass or a run, um, who it was thrown to, how far downfield the pass was, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then I then I go through all those notes and basically break down as, you know, so like in the passing, I have it all for at or behind the line of scrimmage because God knows Scott Frost loves calling swing passes behind the line of scrimmage, swing passes or screens, whatever you want to call them, because um, we only throw about a thousand of those every single game. Uh, one to 10 yards down the field, 11, 20, 21 plus. Uh, and then where our running game goes, you get guys like Dedrick Mills, who pretty much just runs up the middle on every play. The vast majority of his stuff. I mean, I got it on here. Like, let's see last year, almost basically 70% of his carries were up the middle. It's like, he wasn't that agile outside the side, though. No, but I'm not saying that he should be bouncing it outside. I'm just simply saying it's like, you know, my, my whole thing with this was trying to see how predictable our offense is. Sure. You know, like I said, the majority of our passes are within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. We don't throw the ball downfield. Or even, t- and we were talking before, like, I don't even care if it's completed. Of course, it would be great if it was completed. But yeah. just... That might be, stretch. We might change our tune if it was completed the wrong way. Absolutely, but stretch the defense. Just make them think that you're going to do it. Yeah. When you don't ever do it. Now, granted, maybe with all these new uh, wide receivers that we got, and the big ones, I mean, I showed you that uh, tweet the other couple weeks ago. This might have been one of those. I was going to after a Hold on, let me, let me see if I can find it again. It just had a list of all of our receivers and the heights of them. Oh, that's that's right. They were all like 6'2", 6'3", 6'5". Omar Manning, 6'4", six, six, Neville, 6'4", six, six, you know, Torre, 6'3", 6'3", 6'3", 6'3", 6'2". I like that. You know, I mean, is there any speed in that group, or is it all just big bodies going up? To get oh, I'm sure ball? that there's some speed. Xavier Betts obviously showed his speed. He's got some flash. I mean, he's, he's so skinny, man. I hope he can throw. He's six. Weight. He's six two. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's there's just a ton of height. Not that you need height everywhere, and that's a requirement or anything like that. But you know, just somebody that can go up and get the ball. We know we saw that with. Stanley Morgan, where he was somebody that could go up and get the ball when needed. Yeah. I mean, not that he had to do it every time. He needed good hands. Absolutely. But somebody with good hands and can go up and get the ball and at least uh, make the defense honest. You hear that a lot. Yeah. Is there anybody in that group? I know you don't pay attention. You don't pay a lick of attention to recruiting, but is there anybody in that group that you're actually excited to see? Like, uh, obviously, Omar Manning, we heard all about him last year. He couldn't get himself on the field. and when For he various did, he reasons. Yeah. When he did, he wasn't ready, so he didn't get, get that many opportunities. But outside of him and what we've heard, you know, hype is hype. But yeah, show me, you know, have you, have you heard anything else about anybody else? Well, decide? Samari Torre, uh, he was an FCS All-American in Montana. Um, so, obviously, you know, he would have ended his career if he would have just stayed at, at Montana. See a fifth or fifth year guy. Uh, I he would have been a senior, so you know FCS played in the spring. Yeah, that's right. So he would have played in the spring if he wouldn't have transferred. And then his career would have been done. That makes so, sense. So I don't know if this is one of his that extra year because of the COVID thing, 
Or, so they're not giving, even though that's still counting as like this will be his last year. Season? This will be his last year. You know what I mean? Like, so for the FCS people, are they not giving them, like, so this playing in the spring was the 2020 season. Are they not giving them the extra year of eligibility, or does it have to be completed in 2021? Is there any rules on that? I don't know for sure on how they are doing that at that level. Um, I can't imagine that they're. I don't think he, at least specific. I, I know you're kind of more asking that generically with everybody in that level, but well, um, the, the reason I'm asking is I don't know if that affects him because he lets be anybody that could still transfer that played in the spring that could come and play in the fall. That I don't know. I don't. Obviously, it's a little late for that. I don't but, know that there really is, but I don't. Because they didn't finish playing until when? It was late May. Uh, no, it was April. Was it April? I think it was right around Masters Week. Oh, man. I thought it was... Like, middle of April. I thought it was on playing in May. I'm pretty sure it was about middle of April. I'm pulling up his uh, bio on Huskers.com here. Yeah, he's first team All-American FCS. Uh, first team All-Conference. So he should be an impactful guy. FCS playoff record for receiving yards in a game, 303 yards. Damn. How tall was he? He's 6'3", 6'4". Nice. Well, hey, if he can go up and actually secure a ball, I don't care if he falls to the ground. But if he can hit the ground and run, that'd be nice too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's one step further than anything else that we've had recently because we don't have anybody that can catch the ball downfield. That's one of the biggest problems, you know. <clears throat> obviously, I'm having that scenario with my professional team with the Titans, yeah. where we're, I'm going to be able to see AJ Brown, Julio Jones. Not this, I'm not saying that they're running go routes every time, but they're going to be able to occupy defensive backs on the outside. And I'm going to be able to have Anthony Ferkser as the tight end be able to go across the middle anytime he wants to. And or, oh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this running back called Derrick Henry, be able to just have the... Oh, Who's a tight end player? <laughs> be able to just have an open field of guys being occupied. If you can have that threat of these re- these bigger wide receivers, just again, just a threat. I want them to catch every ball, but of course they're not going to. Yeah. That's just life. But... But if you actually have spread them, people nice. out, that's the biggest thing. Because, like I said, the majority of all of our plays are within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. Well, and so I didn't see as much of that. Obviously, he ran he ran a lot of the swing passes when he was in at UCF. But I also saw them air it out. I saw them open up the offense <laughs> and, and run a lot more downfield stuff. And I just call it stuff because it was a lot of different things that just made the defense. Like you said, stay true, play honest, however you want to say it. Why do you think, other than, do you think it's just player personnel that has kept him from being able to do that here? Or is the increased skill level on the defensive back ends that's really causing that? Like, what do you, what do you think has caused him to almost look scared to open up the playbook like that? I think some of it also, we, I mean, we got to look in the middle, uh, the offensive line play. Well, yeah. if, if, if the offensive line play isn't good enough, you got to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. Sure. And what's, what play is going to get the quarterback's – get the ball out of the quarterback's hands faster? I did not think we were going to get to Mr. Your Favorite Player in the World this early. <laughs> well, I wasn't – no, I wasn't going there. I was <laughs> no, looking no, the whole no, offensive I'm gonna, line. I'm going to go there now. That's fine. I'm going to go there no, now I mean, because he's been touted. He's been headed into this year, and all the local media is really kind of – 
kind of harping on him a little bit. They like him. They like him. They like him. He's on an awards watch list. Ooh, a watch that. list. Shouldn't yeah. everybody be on the preseason watch list? I think I remember somebody getting benched that was a preseason Heisman contender two years ago, right? Uh, anyway, that's yeah. besides the point. No kidding. <laughs> and then he wasn't just on a watch list. He was like number five in odds makers. Yes. Yeah, no, it was bad. Like, um, <laughs> and then benched for a red, or two freshmen. Uh, they can't play quarterback in any school. No. Not even at Rice. Where he's uh, at now. Yeah. But anyway, back to your favorite buddy in the world, Mr. Cam Jurgens. Do you think he finally actually might have worked enough to get some skill on the field? Or is he just still going to be this big freak athlete that can't figure out how to snap a ball to a guy's chest? So I don't want to be the guy that just comes on here and crushes college players. I really don't. I swear to God I don't. But so I don't know if anybody knows, and I was kind of talking to you about this earlier Adrian Peterson has a new podcast out, uh, and I think the second episode he had actually had Cam Jurgens on. And they're roommates now, aren't they? I don't know. I didn't ask him. Um, <laughs> I just heard they're like best buds, doing everything together, golfing together nonstop, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and Cam Jurgens was—I mean, to, to his credit, he firmly admitted his snapping issues that he needs to work on. Um, and he had made a comment. He, he made a comment that I just wanted to. I, I don't know what I want to do because he'd kill me. But so it's just like <laughs> he said that it will only get better with more reps, and all he needs is more reps. It's like you've been doing it for three years now. Yeah. How many more reps do you need snapping a football? I understand you never did it in high school. I get that. That's fine. Do you think it's just that he's the nerves, a little bit of the jitters? Like, does he need to take his hand? Well, apparently, if the other team claps on his other sideline, then it throws him completely off with an empty stadium. Just well, ask Iowa. So, said that then it's going to throw off our press conferences too. I don't want to go down that route right now. The other, the other reason I like, I wanted to jump into Cam Jurgens right off the bat was kind of to just preface this for everybody out there that might, at times, hear me say or call. Jada Husker hater. <laughs> I've done it for five not, years. But go ahead. I've said you're a Husker hater. I've called you a Frost hater. I've called you every hater under the sun when it comes to Nebraska. I don't think that you actually could love Husker football or want them to succeed any more than you do. But at the same time, you are one of the toughest critics that I've ever heard. And like I said, you also you have some, you know, you have more knowledge than most when it comes to actually paying attention and breaking things down. But also, you've got some insider guys that you get information from, and we're not divulging their their stuff on here, but then that's not what we're here to talk about. No. But that's how you formulate some of your opinions. That's how and I get So yeah. you do have a little more to base your opinions off than the normal, you know, Joe Schmo 95 that's catching the game on Saturdays and, you know, maybe a podcast, hopefully ours, on the way to work in the morning on Mondays, you know, whatever it might be. So, I just wanted to throw that out there. No. Anybody that's listening, you might hear some harsh criticism. Yes, we're going to joke around. You're also going to hear the word fuck sometimes, <laughs> just in case you hadn't noticed it yet. <laughs> I should not know if we'd said it to this point. I think I said shit once, but I don't remember. Either way. <laughs> They're both on there now. <laughs> no, I, I, obviously you know. 
I have opinions. I have hardcore opinions. I am very passionate about my opinions. Yeah. But I also know that if they come off negative against the program or against a player or a coach, I want to be wrong about any negative opinion that you I hope have. That you're wrong. You I hope want you're to wrong. be wrong about any negative opinion I have on any Husker player, coach, or whatever else that involves the Browns. First thing I want you to be wrong on right now, I'm not even talking about Cam Jurgens anymore. I'm busting right into what do you think our record is this year? Six. I, I, I told people this weekend, I see a window opening opening to seven. What's what? What's there? What's your teeter totter? Oh, window? that that window's open like a half an inch. Why? What? What's causing that? Why is it open? Just specifically, like why is that window open from six to seven? Who do you think it is? What are you looking at? It's not necessarily that? who I think it is as far as the individual teams. It's all about what happens in that first game. Okay. We have seen through the history of you know Mike Riley's first game. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I still believe, and I'm not trying to hype up Mike Riley or downplay Mike Riley or get into Mike Riley at all, really. But I do believe that if that ball gets knocked down against BYU, that Hail Mary, then that changes the trajectory of how all of that his tenure happened here. Maybe he still only lasts three years. Who knows? But with all the turmoil that came off of firing Bo Pelini, the players, re, you know, a good chunk of the players not wanting to not play, you know, not to have Bo Pelini, a giant portion of the fan base saying Bo should still be here. And, you know, just the fractures that we had in all of Husker Nation. There's, there's bottom, still people that think Bo should be here now. Exactly. And so I think that if that game, if that game changes in the first game of his career, then the trajectory of that tenure changes. Uh, you get the first game for Scott Frost. If it had actually been played. Exactly. And we potentially lost that, that was one of the other, so I think it was the first podcast for Adrian Martinez's show. Uh, not that I'm trying to hype up and advertise for his well, show. I'm going to check it out. I haven't actually um, it it's, it's decent. Cool. I think I think there's times where it gets a little whiny, like, Oh, these guys are hating us on Twitter. It's like, well, just move on. But anyway, um, he, Adrian was talking about how hyped they were all, especially him. He was just so jacked for that game. He was ready to go out there. And we, if he's, he, I think he said something close to this. I'm not quoting him. If we would have played that game, we would have won 63 because we were just ready to freaking go. Um, and then you, but you get so hyped up for that a game like that, and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen. You, get, you, you kick the ball off, and you're getting ready to line up for the first play, and then some guy comes out and says, "Yeah, you guys are done. Let's go back to the locker room." That's a letdown. It's a big letdown. It's also in my mind, especially just thinking of that age range. College and absolutely, that, and it's not as much of a letdown as it is just anger. Yes. Anger sets in. Why can't we do this? This is dumb. Let us play tomorrow, whatever it might be. And and then you come out, you play against Colorado, you play really well, but you don't come out with a victory. It's like, okay, now we're. Colorado looks way better than they should have in that game. I'm not crushing anybody for that loss. That that happens. But it's just. Things just started to snowball. Like, you're disappointed you didn't play your first game. Then you go out and play Colorado, you try to get up as high as you were for the first game, and. If we play that Akron game, maybe we're able to stay up. I mean, this is a this is a team this year that has three guys on their roster 
that has ever experienced a three-game or more winning streak at Nebraska. Who's that? Stilly, uh, JoJo, and Dismuke. Wow. Because in the beginning of the 16, 2016 season, we started 7-0. Yeah. We have not had a three-game winning streak since then. That's disgusting. So I mean, that's hard to think about. So, so you're talking a psyche of a program that is not able to sustain being up. Yeah. So I, that's why I believe that if we can go out in this Illinois game at the beginning of the year and show what we should show, and I, I believe last year, yeah, we got beat by Illinois pretty good. I believe that if Adrian Martinez starts that game, then we win that game. And we know how much run around the quarterback situation. Yes. Um. So, but I, I'm also not necessarily saying that Luke didn't deserve the start because he came. He started the Penn State game and he won. They won that game, and you know he was working his butt off. Absolutely, but so was like the quarterback. But I believe that if Adrian starts that game, then because help, remember the first play of that Illinois game was that so-called backwards pass, forwards pass that they called it a forward pass, a fumble, and then Illinois That's gets right. the, it. Just started so the the, the snowball, snowball rolling down. It, so it's. The, and it, again, it goes to the psyche of the program. It's been for many years we have not had a good psyche of the program, especially starting off of the season. Yeah. And so that that's why I say the crack, it, I believe, is open for seven wins. That if we can start off good against Illinois, obviously then we follow with Fordham and then Buffalo. Buffalo's in, not necessarily in chaos, but you know, losing their head coach just a couple of months ago. And then a bunch of people transferring. Uh, who knows what they're really going to be like? Um, and we can start out three and zero. Yes. And then we got to roll down to Oklahoma. True, but <laughs> I mean, who you already picked as the preseason is your preseason favorite for the Natty? I got them winning the national title. Oh. But again, I think if we can start out three and zero and get some momentum, and then even remotely play good down in Oklahoma, I'm not even saying. Score well or what? Just play almost like the Ohio State game. Last I like the more out of the defense than I would the offense there. Yes, even though I think the offense should be able to do some things because their defense is typically atrocious. But look at the Ohio State game last year, opening season. Yeah, we, we lost by what twenty one something. Well, we hung with them in the first half. How how happy? That was encouraging. How that was an encouraging? Game. Bingo. That's the word. How encouraging were Husker fans after that game? Yeah. And they got their ass kicked. We weren't mad. We weren't mad. But they got their ass kicked. covered. <laughs> and, but how encouraging were yeah. what Husker fans? It looked good. The the lines, I think, was what impressed me the most last year to start the season. Is you saw, it looked to me like we were getting good push on both sides of the ball. It looked like we were going to be able to sustain some decent pocket protection for, you know, third and long plays. Yeah. Now, that didn't transpire or progress throughout the season. But that's kind of where I thought that game was going. Yeah. I. But also, I mean, back to your point about this team has never experienced a three-win streak. That's crazy to me, but it also makes sense because I've always kind of been one of those people that if you have to play on such charged emotion, then you're going to fall to it. You can't stay that charged. But you're also talking about college kids. You said that earlier. That's, you know, that's true. They, they, do, they, play, they, they live off the emotion. I get that, but there's only so much emotion that you're breaking through without screwing other things up. I mean, it, it, hell, it goes off to kind of what Scott Frost said in Big Ten Media Days a couple weeks ago. He doesn't live off uh, sloganisms or however. Yeah. 
phrases and stuff like that, which isn't entirely true, but would, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's... It, it, he said, he's like, if you have to have key phrases or stuff like that to get you pumped up, then he's not doing his job right. It's like... Yeah, I, 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 would, that, I would say okay, but the greatest football coach of all time, Mr. Bill Belichick, as you know, is my favorite team. He has one every season. And yeah. he has a few uh, few rings that I think would, that I think they actually have key words and slogans well, on them. The, the 94 Huskers <laughs> had unfinished business. Yeah, you know. And that turned out pretty well. Yeah. We get into some controversial, heated debates occasionally about things. I know that you and I have always fought over, oh, what do you think the projection for the season is? And it's just a dumb thing because I always tried, I always tend to overset it a little bit. I get a little overexcited. I think that's why this year I haven't done as much reading and listening of the local stuff to get me so amped up. But you said you have us at six. We started walking through things. You know, when it comes to, you said you like, you like the Illinois game. But we don't really know what to expect. We like Fordham, obviously. Yeah. Don't expect that of Buffalo. Um, Oklahoma game is the Oklahoma game. I mean, yeah, it's like realistic. Oklahoma, Ohio. I mean, but if we're looking at it, you said you didn't mind Michigan State. Our question's a toss-up. What do you think Michigan's going to be this year? I, <laughs> I, I think. I mean, granted, I've thought that Jim Harbaugh is a dumpster fire for a long time in a general sense, not just at Michigan. But there's a part there's a part of me that thinks that Jim Harbaugh is a lot like the Scott Frost situation. You go back to your alma mater, you want that you want to bring them to a certain level, whether it's the level that you remember that you brought them to yourself as a player, or the level that you know as your program. Because obviously Jim Harbaugh didn't win a national title at Michigan because they're the most overrated college football program in the history of the sport. But yeah. that's a whole nother conversation. I was going to say, they've never really been to the level that everyone in their fan base thinks that they are. Honestly, if you had me, if you were to ask me a question, what team do I hate the most out of the big team? Michigan by far and oh, my the Texas is the big I hate Michigan so much. They are so overbloated, it's not even funny. But anyway. The funny so, thing for me, though, back on that, I don't. I don't dislike Michigan. As a, I dislike Harbaugh that much and the expectation and the air around him. It's just I disliked him since he propped up and got lucky with the 49ers. Yep. And ever since that Super Bowl run, I don't think he's been the same coach. I, But to my analogy with him and Frost going back to their alma mater, one of the things is I just think that they, both of them, I think they're squeezing too tightly because they want to succeed so badly. They want to, they think that it needs to be done a certain way. They think that it needs to look just like this. Whatever that snapshot is, like I said, whether it's when they were playing or the height of their program in a general sense. Because obviously Scott Frost took his program to a national title. Jim Harbaugh didn't, so maybe he thinks of his program in whatever height that he does. I just think that they they're both are squeezing so tightly that it's not necessarily working. I don't think that Harbaugh is a terrible coach, just like I don't think Frost is a terrible coach. I think that they could both be very successful at a multiple different places. 
I just think when it comes to your alma mater and how much you care, there are times that you can just squeeze so tightly that it just isn't working out right now. It doesn't mean that it won't in the future, but it yeah. just it it's taking a while. And to be fair to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, thing is, is you I sit here and say that they're struggling. They're like two double digit wins. Two ten win seasons, yeah. so it's like it's not like they're really struggling. It's just that they're not, they're not struggling like Frost has so far. True, but they're not to the level that they want to be. And Jim Harbaugh would even say that they also weren't in the level of down dumpster fire that our program was. Absolutely. In. So it's not really that Michigan is failing under Jim Harbaugh. It's just that they're not reaching the heights that they want. To. They're regressing. Yes, they're regressing. Yes. Last year was one hundred percent a regression, and I. I think I know probably six to ten Michigan, like true hardcore Michigan blue fans. A couple of them went to school up there. And they hate on Harbaugh more than anybody that I know, including you, including me. So I think it's interesting because they're like I said, they're true blue. They love Harbaugh, the player, the you know, the alma mater guy. But I think they got fed up with him just as fast as not faster than most Nebraska fans are already getting fed up with Frost. I think the biggest thing that has kind of saved Frost is how much blame he was able to put on Mike Riley and the previous guys. Just, you know, the, the rumors, too, whether or not it was true, whether or not it was really... And that was, red, that was also said. red meat to the fans. Oh, I totally get that. I totally get that. But, I mean, if, if, if it's true that workouts weren't mandatory and all these kids were, you know, showing up just completely under-athletic, under their expected playing ability... Then, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time, but at the same time, I actually wanted to get into this when you were talking about Illinois being uh, having the most senior, super you know, seniors, super seniors yeah. the, the, the six-year seniors coming back. How much do you think that plays into the fact that when Lovey Smith got hired at Illinois, he basically said, F you to all the upperclassmen. You're either doing it exactly the way that I want or you're gone. And they had how. They had double-digit players leave the team after the season started. And he basically played in his entire first two seasons there yes. with all freshmen. And, and that was one of the talking points of the announcers in games and and other pundits writing mm-hmm. about them. They they always said they're they're the youngest team in the one of the youngest teams in the country, probably the youngest team in the Big Ten. And it's either going to make or break him. And it broke it's him. either boom or bust. Yeah. And so we'll see. But at the same time, in the moment of when he was doing it, I didn't think it was a bad thing for him to do it that way. Well, the, I mean, Illinois needed something. The program was in the dumps that's one what, way or the other. That's so what I'm it saying. Wasn't like you could go down that much more. They needed something, so why not just try this? If it works, great. If it doesn't, you're right back where you were. And so that's kind of my thing with Scott Frost in the situation that he's in right now, where I know we've heard it every year, and I know you get annoyed by the repetition of you know the talking points and in uh, press conferences and things like that, but he's he touched on it multiple times. He touched on it when he sits at the desk at Big Ten Media Days that this is a very different culture atmosphere than what he's coming to the last three, the previous three seasons with. Mm-hmm. Do you buy that at all, or is that just a more BS to try and get people to hold on? The best, I, I will tell you, this is probably the best offseason that I've heard of uh, – whether it's Scott Frost talking or even the players talking or the assistant coaches talking. One of the things that he's 
Frost said in the post or in the Big Ten uh, media days was they asked him about the a bunch of the media members picking them fifth in the division, and he said, "Well, I think that we're better than fifth, but." Ultimately, you look at our record, and it's, that's probably where we should be. We are the team that we are. It's not any of this, hell, the first year. In year two, you bet you better get us now because in year two, we're going to be dangerous. You know, the, those types of quotes that have haunted him that oh, yeah. he started to say. The Big Ten is going to have to adjust to us. You know, all the, just, I mean, you, you, everybody can rattle off all those key phrases that Frost liked to continue to say over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. He, I don't think he's really been in those key phrase, uh, trying to pump falsely pump up his team when you can just look at the record and they're 12 and 20. I think he's, I, I've been saying this, you know, this, I've been saying it for a long time that I want him to just look in the mirror and check his ego at the door. Yeah. And I believe that he looked at his record and said, I can't be like, we're going to be dangerous in year two, or we're, we're close. He always talks about how close we are. Or talking about the greatest practice ever on a Thursday, every week, and then we go out and get beat by Illinois. And, you know, all those things. I, I, don't, I don't know that he's going to do that anymore. At least he's shown so far in this offseason that that's not where he's directing a lot of his comments. And I'm very, I'm very happy about it because I don't yeah. like that kind of crap, uh, the false bravado. Because again, twelve and twenty, that speaks so much louder than anything that you're going to say in a press conference. One hundred percent. And I think my biggest thing about that is, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, big, big proponent of failure breeds success. You got to keep trying. You got to keep going back at it. Yep. And failing just makes you stronger. I don't think, this is just my personal opinion, I don't know that much about him pre-Oregon, but I don't know that he did much failing in his football career at any stop. I mean, yeah, his first season at UCF wasn't fantastic, but then he was instantly okay. Well, it started off, I mean, hell, it was a lot like the first year at Nebraska. started off 0-6, and then he rattled off a bunch of wins, and he ended up 7-6. and Yeah, and that's an easier league, an easier conference, an easier everything, place to recruit, place to bring in. Randall's off the street and getting way more talent he, than he what said you're that he rode his bike to recruiting visits. Yeah, if you can ride your bike to recruiting visits, that's a pretty good place to be. I know a lot <laughs> of people that ride their bike between Omaha and Lincoln. Really? I've 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 known at least five people that do it at least a couple times a year. Holy crap! <laughs> My question is, why isn't he? I hear that he's well, not coming into Omaha that much to recruit. He doesn't need to ride his bike. Just jump in a car. <laughs> I'm making a joke. I know. But I'm wondering why we're spending so much time in Western Nebraska. And so That's much a time. question that I can't answer. That's also a question that uh, he has been asked, and apparently he can't answer. That's also a question that many, 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 many high school coaches, whether they're head coaches or assistant coaches, in the city of Omaha can't answer either. And they've asked that question many, many times. Well, I mean, he, he's gotten a couple of decent recruits out of Omaha or the Omaha Metro. Yeah, yeah your best Bellevue, team. Yeah, Bellevue is east yeah, or west. west. Um, but in, say, your best class, we lost a, by all appearances, a potential superstar kid that went out to Notre Dame. I get it. Notre Dame came calling. 
he's wanted to go there since he was a kid. But I don't think there was ever even a real look or a real attempt to go after him. Okay, so that was early, you know, that was year two. You're looking at now year four. I think, again, we don't follow recruiting, whatever. I don't know what the exact thing. I think it's the top four kids in the city for this upcoming year. None of them have committed to Nebraska. They've all committed somewhere else. Wow. So I did not know that. I had not heard that. I, it's something close to that. If they're not the exact top four, then it's four of the top six or whatever. You know, whatever it is. I think there's an offensive lineman from Central. Uh, I think it's a tight end from Bellevue West, uh, and I'm brain farting on the other two. Uh, but they're not coming to. They they've committed somewhere else. It's not that they're like undecided still, and Nebraska's not. They've granted commitments. They could change. I get that. Obviously, but. They have verbally committed to other places other than Nebraska. I don't what to, to bring this back to the the conversation we were having with regard to Frost and uh, Harbaugh. I don't, I don't. What I don't understand about the lack of success in Michigan is that the recruiting has not slowed down. They're still recruiting at a super high level. They're just not producing. No, we have not to this point recruited at a very high level, and that's. That's no. I'm talking in reference to Mich- what Michigan's done. Okay. Because because we've recruited the best in the West Division. Okay. And we're not even close. I believe that. I believe that. I will say so. He's only had the three years of recruiting. True. That's you know in the first year that cycle doesn't really count that much. This is well his third full cycle of recruiting. And, and not just that, but his first year at Nebraska was the first year of the early signing period. True. So that was one of those situations where all of the coaches that were in that first year, and I actually just did this before I came over here. I, I went through the uh, coaching changes uh, for that year and how many guys have, are fired and or have winning records since being their first year was 2018, just like Frost. And uh, there are one, two, three – Four, five, six of the, I think it was nine, well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 12, 13, 14, There's 19 uh, people that were hired that day, or that, that year. And it's six of them have already been fired. Wow. Uh, one of them... A, a seventh one has moved on. The the guy that took over for Frost, Josh Heupel, he mm-hmm. just got hired by Tennessee. I was say. But all of those, obviously, losing records. But a bunch of other ones. I mean, hell, Chip Kelly. Everybody loves Chip Kelly. He has not done well at UCLA. He's 10 and 21. Yeah. I mean, people talk about and I Frost expected being, him to instantly pull that program out of the gun. Maybe not instantly, but quicker than what he is. I expected damn near instant success. Not year one, but I the way that he recruits, and he's he, that's in L.A. That's in his old stomping ground. Yes. That's where he used to draw a lot of his recruits out of. And not being able to pull that program out of the dumps, that's rather shocking to me. It also discounts, in my mind, some of the experience that Frost got under him. Wait, what? Some of the, some of the, some of the success and some of the experience that Frost had of learning under Chip Kelly at Oregon. What he's having, what he's struggling with now, 
that discounts some of the prop up that I had of his success. I think I think the NFL. I think the NFL work. fucked up Chip Kelly. You think so? Yeah. What? Maybe so. It didn't fuck up Nick Saban. No, but Nick Saban's <laughs> the greatest college football coach of all time. But where did he come from prior to becoming that? He, he wasn't prior to that, though. Is what no, I, but he was very good at LSU. Yeah. If he would have stayed there and not jumped to the NFL, he probably would have still continued that trajectory to LSU. Probably, and Alabama would have never come back to the exactly. NFL. That's probably true. But, I mean, to, to kind of move on and keep running, because I'd like to get through the schedule a little bit, because I think people like to listen to just projecting through. What do we know about Minnesota? I mean, last year I thought they were going to be really good. And holy shit, the bed buckets. So... I first of all, they had a lot of COVID. As far as last year, they had a lot of COVID stuff. Obviously, they did. Yeah, that happened. But when I also thought that, that already happened after they were having issues with the team. They beat Nebraska, only bringing fifty-five scholarship players. That's the only game they were supposed to win that they won, though. No, they were not supposed to win that game. <laughs> no, I mean preseason. That's the most. Like looking at a preseason, I will say this: that's the most embarrassing loss that I've ever seen for Nebraska. You thought that was worse than the Illinois loss last year? Yes. It's more embarrassing than the Colorado 60 to whatever. It's more embarrassing than the Texas Tech lost 70 to 7 or whatever that score was. It's the most embarrassing loss that I've ever experienced to be in a Nebraska fan. You're talking about a program bringing roughly 50 scholarship players to your home field and you barely show up for it. Yeah. That was embarrassing. That's the tough. fact that they got beat by Minnesota in that game. That's atrocious. I get that. Do you think that there's much coming back this year for them to they, they have, resurrect that program? They have probably the best running back in the in the uh, conference, Muhammad Ibrahim, Ibrahim, however you pronounce his last name. Um, so they have a great running game. They have giants on their offensive line. It just ridiculous how big these these guys are. Uh, my thing is, everybody loves Tanner Morgan. I don't. I think he is... They'll stick. So two years ago when they had that great season uh, where they won a bunch of games, they won <clears throat> their first three or four games against nobody teams by like seven points or less. Yeah. And everybody's freaking out over them. And then they won, won a bunch of other games and then they bitch slapped the shit out of Nebraska. <laughs> According to Frost, because they Nebraska wore sweatshirts before the game, um, that's a whole other situation. Uh, but Frost here, <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> don't say stupid shit. I mean, that's just all there is to it. But Tanner Morgan had a great season because he had two NFL wide receivers, Rashad Bateman yep. and Johnson, who won a Super Bowl just this last year. Yeah, with the Buccaneers. And played. Uh, and then Trevor Johnson goes away because he goes to the pros. Rashad Bateman is in and out of whether he's going to opt out or whether he's going to jump back in, all that stuff all last year. I think he played four or five games last year. And even then, he was kind of just a little wishy-washy. And you saw how Tanner Morgan was average at best. At best. Not very good, actually. In most and, and now he still had all the time he needed. And now he he does have a very good wide receiver with Ottman Bell there, uh, but now he doesn't definitely does not have Rashad Bateman, not even in and out. So he's gone to the pros. 
yes, he has a great running game with him, but I don't know. He's not. I don't believe. I'm just not a believer in Tanner Morgan. So I don't know. You know, it's kind of one of those like, do I want to sit here and say yes, we're going to beat Minnesota this year? Again, not guaranteed because I don't know that I can guarantee any game outside of Fordham. But I'm not a believer in Tanner Morgan. So yes, I would put that as a win for us. Wow. But but again, they came they came down to our house and beat us with 55 scholarship players. So <laughs> true. Okay, so here's, here's, here's my thing, though. And I didn't even ask you what, what you thought about Michigan. I've chalked Michigan up to a loss just because they have spring talent. You never gave me a yes or no on that one, or is that a coin flip for you? I, I don't want to sit here and say on every game I don't know, but I get that. But you've already given me basically five yeses. You've given me basically five yeses through the first eight five. games. Yeah. Illinois, Fordham, Buffalo. Obviously, scratch off Oklahoma. You said yes on Michigan State. You basically said yes on Northwestern. No, I did not say no. You, yes. you said it's a coin flip, but you said yes, we should beat them. But I think we should. But that's where my fandom comes in. <laughs> that's where my Usually, Jed Burks doesn't give me fandom. No, 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 no. Usually, Jed Burks does not give me it's fandom. It's North fucking Western. We should always beat them. them. Hey, here's the thing. Pat, Pat Fitzgerald is one of the greatest coaches in the country, in my opinion. Uh, he's very good. I, I'm not. I think but very, when, very you, good. when you put those qualifiers on him, is uh, I'd very say good. he's top three in the conference for sure. Um, as of right now, what we've seen over the last three to five years. Yeah, I can, I can go with that because obviously James Franklin's not because he's a piece of shit. It's a great recruiter though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I said it a billion. We'll give him that a different time. I've said it a billion times. I'll take him Sunday through Friday every time. Oh yeah. But I mean, you look at that. So you've, you, I'll, 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 did I'll I ever, did I'll I ever tell you how he hires his assistant coaches? Based, yeah, based on how hot their wives are. Yes, because it shows how good of a recruiter they are. <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to make them get rid of them every four years. Too? My God, I, if if they're lucky. <laughs> okay, so I'll back off of that, and I'll just say, okay, well, you've told me at least that's five out of the first eight. What do you think about Purdue? I mean, Purdue is Purdue. (laughs) Purdue's been kind of like Northwestern with worse injury over the last couple of years. But they've also been that team that's like, they, you know, they ended up beating Ohio State two years ago. They they scared the pants off of a couple different teams over the last couple of years. Outside of Ohio State, (laughs) anybody that plays for Ohio State as far as wide receiver, they have the best receiver in the in the. Who's the conference? David Bell. Oh, he is. He, he could play for Ohio State. That's how good wow. he is. Um, so, I mean, and they have a two-headed monster. Well, not, it's not really a monster. It's just a two-headed person <laughs> at quarterback for <laughs> Purdue. They're, they're both kind of barely average, so it's like they're not really monsters. But <laughs> are, are either one of them mobile, or is this going to be a, a no, sheer passing attack like we've seen? Yeah. And then uh, one of their running backs reminds me of uh, Mike Allstott. Uh, he, he literally wears the same numbers he did at Purdue because Mike oh, Allstott wow. went to Purdue. He just he's just this big yoked, got that big neck roll type thing. Well, he's wearing a neck roll. He looks like a freaking. Uh, it's not necessarily. It's like a fullback. He looks like a fullback. <laughs> Jesus. He's. I think he's like. Right. I think he's like three inches taller than a Mike. Those are the dudes that are getting turned into huge quote unquote fullbacks yeah. in the NFL now. So good for him. So I love watching him play, but uh, 
Yeah. You think that stacks up as a win? Is that we, a coin flip? We should win that game. Okay, so there's your six right there. There's your six with two coin flips and two probably nots. That's, but that's why I said I see a window open to seven. Okay. It's not so, open much. So which window is it? Is it Wisconsin or Iowa? Well, hold on. One, two, three. Because Iowa and Wisconsin. Well, no, because that would be Michigan. Because if, if I have seven, well, that's, that's, Illinois, Fordham, Buffalo, so, so Michigan State, Iowa, Iowa Western, Iowa, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. You think we're closing out the year with three straight losses? Basically. Okay. I mean, it's not that I'm going to argue against that. I think that Iowa is Iowa, and I don't think that Iowa is going to be quite as dominant as we've seen them be over the last few years. Just because of some simple turmoil that their program's gone through over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, when you when you get put down for something that's bad that's happened in your program's history, and then it gets brought up again because somebody tries to hire you. <laughs> Hire the guy in the NFL and your name's thrown back out there. <laughs> Hired and fired within 48 hours. Those situations get a little rough, but I don't know. I, I, I would think that if we can get to six wins going into Iowa, um, beating Iowa and ending the season with seven wins would make me feel good about this season. Oh, As yeah. a fan, it would make me feel like we've seen progress. Well, I mean, provided we obviously we play well, and those aren't all fluke wins. But if we have six wins going into Iowa, and we've at least quasi hung with, we play the same game we played against Ohio State last year, this year, and maybe give me the same game against Wisconsin, because we were reasonably in that Wisconsin game in the first half, if I recall, if I'm thinking of a different year. I can't remember for sure right now. I don't know. I just look at it and I go, seven wins, potentially seven wins if we get there. To me, that's that's good progress. Honestly, so first of all, with the Iowa situation, anytime we can beat Iowa, I'm very happy. <laughs> I understand that I said yes. I, I said there's no team that I hate more than Michigan. But as we sit here right now today, it's been 2,439 days since we beat Iowa. You got a countdown on your phone, I dude? Do, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> So it's kind of one of those. That makes my stomach turn a little bit. I would love to be able to reset that yeah. countdown on my phone and take that off of there. So that I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that even if we're two and whatever going into that game, if we can win that game, because I obviously I won't be happy because then we'd only have three wins. Now it's suck. Yeah. I struggle as a Husker fan to say that I will be satisfied with seven wins. I I'm not. Saying that I'm satisfied, obviously. I know what you're doing. I'm, I'm simply, I, was, I just can't say that out loud. I'm simply saying, as a dude who feels just tired and beat down, yes, over the last three or four or five years, really since Bo left, just feeling this nonstop roller coaster of highs and lows, expectations. We had the roller coaster with Bo too, but but at least I could expect to get to nine wins. Every yeah, year. and. Ever since then, for me, that roller coaster has just become less of a fun ride. Mm-hmm. It's it's more boring in hills rather than excited drops. Yep. And uh, I would really like to get headed back up there. And that's that's just kind of where I am. And I think that's a good stopping point for us here. Uh, this is kind of the fucked up shit that people can expect to hear from us. 
<laughs> I think it's gonna be fun. And this is our first like this, attempt. This, this is basically like an intro. It's like, a trial and error situation. Yeah, this, there's, there's gonna be weird cuts in this. There's gonna be fucked up shit. We're not that drunk. We barely got into it. And I don't know. Mines are pretty heavy. So <laughs> mines are pretty heavy. Mines are okay. pretty heavy. One of us <laughs> is not that drunk. <laughs> that being said, we're gonna go ahead and sign off. <laughs>